This is Mary Celeste Bell. Welcome to the Blackberry Podcast, where we'll dive into stories and knowledge of the incredible people that are part of the Blackberry story. You'll hear from longtime friends, amazing visiting personalities, and our own inspired team members. On today's episode, award-winning chef Alain Shia sits down with Cassidy Dabney, our executive chef of the barn at Blackberry Farm, and food and beverage director Andy Chabot to talk all things food and restaurant. Okay. Uh, hello. My name is Andy Chabot. I'm here with uh, Alain Shia of Pomegranate Hospitality and Cassidy Dabney, the executive chef of the barn at Blackberry Farm. Uh, as part of the Taste of Tel Aviv uh, food and wine event that we have going on here at Blackberry Farm. So thank you for being here, Alon. Thanks for having me, Andy and Cassidy. It's been such a struggle dealing with my experiences here at Blackberry Farm for the past couple of days. You know, all the beautiful grass and wonderful food and great wine. I mean... It's a, it's, it's a hardship. It's a tough, and I'm sorry it's a tough life out here. But wow. you, guys, you guys are... Um, Honestly, it's been incredible, and we just have had the best, best time. And you, everyone has just made us feel like we're at home. So well, thank, you. thank you. Well, thank you You know, for that. Everyone that I know that has encountered you uh, in, in your family here has just said how nice you are. You know, I don't know oh. why they're so surprised, but um, <laughs> you know, everyone's yeah. like, you know, Alon's just so nice. So we really appreciate you being here and spending time with us. Thank you. We brought two dogs, two kids, a wife, a mother-in-law a father-in-law, and a sister-in-law. It's very brave so, of you. So, yeah, we got the whole, we got the whole clan the whole here. clan. Yes. Well, that's great. Well, uh, really want to uh, dive right in and, and talk about your cuisine. You know, I think that to talk to anyone, you're, you're really leading the charge in, in the type of cuisine that, that you do and want to know how you describe it. Yeah. Um, well, we are cooking modern Israeli food and... Uh, it's been something that we've also been learning along the way. I feel like the cuisine in itself is um, still very blossoming. It's food that is really a culmination of a lot of different cultures. And in Israel, you have so many incredible cultures living there and cooking and cooking for each other. And um, the way that that food has evolved, especially over the last 20 or 30 years has been pretty remarkable. Um, like my grandparents immigrated from Bulgaria to Jaffa in Israel, and my father immigrated from Romania, and other people immigrate from Morocco or Turkey or Yemen um, or Poland or Russia. And so all these cultures really coming together, and um, you have such amazing food because of that. And um, we really just try to celebrate that while we use our local resources and farmers and artisans that are around our neighborhoods, whether it's in New Orleans, at Saba, or at Safta in Denver. Um, we try to use the principles of like um, what we love about cooking, which is, you know, seasonal produce and local farms um, and like good teaching moments for our team. And then we also, um, you know, study a lot and read a lot about all these cultures that live in Israel and cook there. Cool. Obviously, the two growing seasons are completely different from, you know, Denver and New Orleans. Mm -hmm. How does that shape and the menu at the restaurant and how does that make the restaurants differ? 
Yeah, it's a big difference. New Orleans and Denver couldn't be more opposite places, yeah, right? Sure. New Orleans is below sea level. Denver is 5,000 feet above sea level. Um, the, the produce in Denver is a very short window. Uh, you have about four months of uh, a growing season, which it, it, that four months, it's incredible. There's all kinds of stuff coming out of the ground. There's gorgeous mushrooms. There's amazing cherries and peaches and, um, you know, lettuces and vegetables of all kinds. Uh, and, and, and also what is really, what I really like about the Denver, um, farm culture is that you have a lot of great lamb mm -hmm. and a lot of great beef. And, uh, we really utilize a lot of that in our menu as well. So, uh, in New Orleans and Louisiana, you know, it's definitely more of a seafood focused uh, kind of all of our natural resources with the Gulf. And so we use a lot of crab and, and shrimp and mm -hmm. fish from the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, and then we also use all the local citrus. It's a much more of a tropical climate in New Orleans. Sure. So we're, we're really focusing um, attention more on things like um, citrus and, and figs and uh, also, we love using um, lots of crab meat. We put tons of crab meat, like in hummus, and people go crazy for it. So <laughs> we like we do a crab hummus that's like our best selling item, and that switches from I think right now we're doing it with chanterelle mushrooms because they're growing everywhere, but we've done it with like snap peas and we've done it with butternut squash and we've done it with corn, uh, and so it's really delicious. That's amazing. And what's the, I mean, the produce in New Orleans in the, the season, I assume being so much longer. Much longer. Yeah. And, and we get things like okra and like tons of tomatoes and eggplants and cucumbers down there. Um, so we take advantage of all of that. And the Israeli cuisine pantry is so much of those things. A lot of bell pepper, sure. a lot of, um, a lot of tomatoes, a lot of things from like the nightshade family. Uh, and even okra, which which is sold all over Israel, and and is really? um, yeah, absolutely. There's tons of okra in Israel, and they're used in stews. And so we have a lot of fun with that kind of stuff. And we we you know are constantly being challenging ourselves to learn more about what's in our own backyard. I found out recently from a local chef in New Orleans that morel mushrooms have like a three-day growing season in Louisiana. And if you're at the right spot at the right time, you can harvest a bunch of morels. And I had a dish at uh, Margie's Grill in New Orleans where they used local morels. And I was just blown away by that. I'd never even heard of that. So yeah. we're, we're learning stuff all the time too. And how does, because New Orleans has such a huge personality as a city, does that also find its way onto the menu? Yeah. Uh, well, with our cocktail program, it's a big deal uh, because people drink a lot. Like we were worried. <laughs> yeah. We were really worried that we were doing something wrong um, when we weren't selling a ton of alcoholic drinks at lunch in Denver, and then everyone sure. was like, "Nobody drinks alcohol during lunch in Denver." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's different than New Orleans because everyone drinks at lunch during New Orleans during lunch in New Orleans. <laughs> Uh, so we've had to learn some of those things, but I think that the, the, some of the bigger differences between Saba and Safta, Saba means grandfather sure. in Hebrew and Safta means grandmother. 
Uh, at Safta, we're really focusing a lot on my grandmother's cooking and some of the things that she made for, for our family. And at Saba, uh, Chef Kara Peterson is kind of focusing more on exploring all of these regions, like all of this Yemenite food and, and Turkish food and Libyan food that my grandmother didn't cook, um, but is still part of the, the Israeli cuisine. And, and, and we're going and, and researching those things and sure. kind of being a little bit more um, experimental at Saba. Great. Yeah. And how do you how do you divide your time? I mean, in in fine time for you know two dogs, wife, two kids, <laughs> in laws. Well, the kids are my niece and nephew, so all we have to do sure. is just say hi and buy them okay, things so you, and buy make them noise. things. Yeah, and then and then we don't we, you know our responsibility ends there. Um, so we don't have any children, but we do have two dogs. And Emily and I, um, you know, we started our company together. And we run it together, and it's been an amazing experience. And so uh, a lot of the things that we do, we do together, and we travel a lot together. So great. Uh, we um, find our, our, you know, our balance of going back and forth between New Orleans and Denver and then other travel that we do as well, like up to places that like are this, as yeah. beautiful, like beautiful like this, that we, we love to be here. And we, um, we really enjoy it. We really yeah. do. Uh, we're, we're trying to, like, headquarter in Denver during the summer when uh, there are mosquitoes the size of house cats in New Orleans <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, the rest of the year in New Orleans. And it's been a, it's been about two years now since we've I started see. our company. And, and so we're kind of learning as we go. But I, um, I find the balance to be great. And uh, we are um, just always looking on ways to kind of, you know, partner with community um, initiatives and that, that and fundraisers. And that takes us um, cooking all over the country um, for different things. So we've been on the road a lot, but we do we do love it. Are there specific initiatives um, that, that you and Emily are, are particularly interested yeah. to, to take part in? I know you you and your company have a focus yep. on on a sort of a healthy, balanced workplace, a safe for workplace. Sure. For sure. So uh, when we created Pomegranate Hospitality, we, we created it with a mission statement that we were going to create a safe, healthy, and comfortable work environment for all of our team members, and that we were going to put our team members first. And from the, from the second we developed Pomegranate, we began um, compiling... Uh, our list of core values that we thought were were important enough to use as the catalyst for all of our operating procedures for our company. Um, we brought our, our team together. We, when we started Pomegranate, um, there was a lot of our, our executive team joined our company right away. Mm-hmm. So we had seven of us uh, for seven months with no restaurants. And uh, during that time, we worked on our mission statement, on our core values. We hired Susie Dare, who's our director of people and culture. And uh, she and um, all of our team members in Pomegranate worked on finding ways that we can bring our nine core values to life with decisions that we make every day. So we, our, our, our core values are accountability, uh, equality, um, empowerment, uh, passion, creativity, education, organization, 
um, and communication. And uh, hmm. those things you're like, okay, how do all of these things come to life? How can we make this part of our everyday conversation with our team? And from everything from recruiting uh, to like orientation to just daily operating procedures, we ask ourselves those questions. So our, our, our uh, orientation or our um, recruitment process, uh, the questions that we ask for everybody joining our team are um, three questions from each core value. So you have to answer to empowerment uh, or accountability when you're in your interview. Uh, and we ask questions that we believe kind of give us an idea of whether or not you're going to buy into the values of our company. That's the first and foremost important thing for us. Uh, it's not how well you can cook or, or what you know about wine. Uh, those things are important and essential, but it's not how we make our decisions. Interesting. Um, and so like we also make sure that we have several people doing interviews on each candidate. That's a way that we kind of bring a quality to life to make sure that there's just that one person um, picking Any a specific demographic yeah. that, that joins the team. Uh, we, we also work really hard on like our educational programs. We're, we're taking our whole team, our management team to Israel yeah. in September to learn more about the culture and so that they can see it firsthand. But at the restaurants every week we host lunch and learns and really? um, all of our team members are able to teach their colleagues things that are important to them. Um, so we've had lunch and learns from everything from like how to sharpen your knives to how to um, like plant house plants to Beyonce to existentialism in Southern literature, like all of these things or how to polish a, a, a snowboard. So like that's a way that we like huh. bring empowerment to life and we help our team like find their voice and the things that they're really passionate about and get comfortable with explaining that to people um, because as chefs, as sommeliers, as, as servers, you know, that's what we have to do. Um, we, we work together with our team to help them with fighting some of the problems that affect our industry, like um, mental health and addiction. We work with an employee um, assistance program mm -hmm. where our team can call and get free financial and legal and mental health advice um, and and you know that it's these things that I think make our company come to life uh, there's one question on or there's one like category on the evaluation that is about the guest experience mm -hmm. and the other 15 categories are all about the team member experience um, huh. so that's where Emily and I have been really focusing and working very hard with our team on just protecting the culture and, and continuing to um, live up to the promises that we that we make to our team all the time. Amazing. So yeah. a fulfilled, safe team will give great service and will For sure. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. and I think like, you know, it's easy to say and people think it and say it all the time, but unless you really put those things to work, put those values to work, it's very hard for it to be consistent and to stay alive. And we 
and it's even when you do, it's still hard, right? Like we work on it yeah. all the time, um, but we make huge decisions based on our values. Like we struggled for a while to think about how how can we make um, like passion and creativity come alive. Yeah. Um, and you know, of course, there's like, well, we can do farm trips, which we do, or we can you know go to a brewery mm-hmm. and, and see them brewing beer and that can spark creativity and passion in people uh, we can have really solid pre-meals and like you know yeah. try to really inspire people but like what is it we had to ask like what is it that takes away your passion and what is it that takes away your creativity um, not just what is it that like helps it so um, the answer to us was that well when you are worked to death and you burn out like that's when I feel like passion and creativity really suffer. Sure. Um, and so we decided to close both restaurants on Monday and Tuesday, um, just so that our we can have that balance and that that our team can take off and and press the reset button. And um, that's been a huge part of our of our uh, I think what has driven our team to where amazing. they are today. That's that's really amazing, and I think consumers and potential team members. Um, now more than ever are are interested not just in the great experience that they can provide or, or get but in what the company is is doing sure. you know to better the world or sure yeah. people want to believe in what you're doing and I know I had a lot of experiences in my career where there were a lot of good things happening but I still didn't necessarily believe in it you right. know and I never quite felt comfortable with where my life was and uh and the most important thing that i've done in the last couple of years i think is um cut away a lot of the fat and Mm -hmm. surround myself with people that i am really positively inspired by um not from a cooking standpoint or a technical standpoint but more of a value standpoint and that's really changed uh, that's changed the way that I think every day mm. and it's changed the way that I go to work every day and um, and it's incredible like it's an amazing feeling and I feel like this part of my career at age 40 um, is when it's really starting you know yeah. like this is I feel like we're just getting started and um, I could not be more excited or happy about where we're at it's amazing and I assume you have a leadership team in both restaurants that yeah feels the the same way you know because passion and, and drive it, it's something that's difficult to manage yeah you know yeah and uh, we're teaching core values every day you know we're having conversations about tone about um, owning up to things like accountability yeah. we're we're having conversations about positive accountability like how do we not look at that as just a negative word of someone getting in trouble or but like how we really celebrate people um, on our team every day. Mm-hmm. So something as simple as a monthly birthday cake with everyone's birthday, everyone's sure, name, sure, sure. you know, on a cake, and we have a really big over-the-top family meal once a month to celebrate everyone's birthdays that were that month. Little things like that are, um, are I think, really important for our team. Also, like our um, core value of equality. Uh, we had an opportunity to um, to be involved with a Planned Parenthood fundraiser recently, 
um, that we jumped at that opportunity to do that. Um, that's, that's extremely important for my wife's beliefs, for, for my beliefs, and, and, it, and it sings a quality for um, our team and for our company. And so we did that, and we got a lot of um, hate for doing that from certain people, especially in, in Louisiana. But we felt yeah. like that decision was the right decision, and we felt like we went back to our constitution of core values and said, is this what we're supposed to be doing as a company? And the answer was yes. And, and so we did that. Yeah. Instead of shying away from a politically charged right. issue, perhaps. Yeah. Right. And, and then I know that a lot of our team members saw that, and, and I think that that built... Um, a lot of cred credibility for for our company within them um, because they told us it did, right. you know, and that it's those moments that make things really really special. Um, huh. We get like we have a team member who just recently went through a lot of health problems, and you know she wrote us this beautiful letter just saying like if I did not have the medical benefits that I get as a pomegranate team member, I would be in a lot of trouble right now and I, I really appreciate that I feel secured in this way um, when I'm going through so much in another way and you know Susie and Emily and I and our managers we read those letters and it and we keep saying like let's just keep going guys let's keep doing this because it's working you know we just and then we figure out how to make you know, we got to charge 20 bucks for hummus sometimes, but you know what? It's worth it. It's good hummus. It's good hummus. And yeah. there's crab in it. And, and, I, and I think just on a larger scale, like um, people, like the, the amount of money that we charge for food in this country is a lie. You know, it is so unsustainable. We all talk about sustainability yeah. with our chickens and our tomatoes, but like, what about our, our, our teams? Or what about our, our company? What about like the financial um, responsibilities that come with having these companies? And um, you can't just charge 10 bucks for a cheeseburger anymore if you want to pay a living wage and you want to provide health insurance and you want to you know maybe close on a couple of days to give your team a break um, and just skip out on the revenue that you would get. like these things all cost money so i'm looking forward to paying 40 bucks for a cheeseburger one day because i know i know that when i do that um that if the company is run the right way and i'm, and I'm spending my money at a place that i trust and believe in that people will benefit from that yeah but i, I do think that's what people will look for in a 40 dollar cheeseburger is not right. that it helped your bottom line but you know your profitability was the same as it would have been the $15 version. Exactly. But you're doing better things for your team in the world. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, speaking of your, your team, you're talking about taking your leadership team uh, to Israel. How, what, what do you get beyond seeing just the culture? What do you get from these R&D trips? Cassidy and I do some R&D trips. And I'm always interested in other people that do it and what you look to take away when you visit someplace and then come back home and and yeah. implement stuff or what do you, what is it just I think it's a combination of um, remembering and ins inspiration you know I think that you only retain a small portion of what's around you and um, and I've been to Israel several times and every time I go I learn a lot and I also I think the repetitive of, of it 
where I see things over and over again, it starts to stick. Mm-hmm. It becomes part of my, um, I don't know, part of my sensibility, sensibility, or, yeah. my, my Rolodex, you know, mm-hmm. that I, I call like what I'm thinking about food or when I'm thinking about what I want to cook. Like I kind of have this like Rolodex in my head that's just spinning and it's like my entire life is in there, you know, and yeah. I don't just pick from one moment. Um, I pick from all the moments, but something might happen where, you know, it shoots up and, and says like, choose me this time. <laughs> and I do. And, and then the, these trips help me, um, have that kind of information embedded into my, into my brain that I can always pull from. I think that I get to learn more about culture, which I think drives so much about food. Mm-hmm. Um, versus just like a specific dish or a recipe. And I get to, with especially with bringing our team out, you know, I get to kind of begin with helping them build their sensibilities and their memories so that they can kind of pick that card one day when they are cooking something and they're like, man, when I was in Israel, this is what I saw yeah. and this is what I want to do. And, and those moments are very important for us all, I think. So, in kind of looking forward, what's next for Pomegranate, Pomegranate Hospitality? Um, what's next is, you know, we, we had a big 2018. Yeah. Um, we opened both Saba and Safta. Um, we just recently hired a director of operations. Her name is Amanda, and okay. she's um, incredible and has worked for um, Danny Meyer's group for several years. And uh, we want to continue to strengthen... Um, what we're doing every day. We want to continue to make our values come alive. Um, We want to continue building our team and educating them and educating ourselves. And I think if we're, you know, we don't, what we don't want to do is open businesses all over the place and start some kind of like empire. That's not our goal. If we're going to grow, we'll grow in New Orleans or we'll grow in Denver. Um, that is mostly because that's where Emily and I want to spend time. And I, uh, I feel like our happiness um, translates to the happiness of the company that we, you know, we have to be happy with what we're doing so that we can really focus and enjoy what we do at, at the restaurants and sitting in traffic mm-hmm. in New York or dodging a Lamborghini on Collins Avenue yeah. in Miami is, is not our, our idea of happiness. It's a, it's a good place to visit, but yeah. it's not where we want to like go and really put down roots. So, you know, New Orleans and Denver is, is where we're going to be and where we're going to continue to focus our growth when it is time for us to grow. Excellent. So with your cookbook, um, kind of diving into that, it is a, it is less, I mean, it is a cookbook, but it is so much more a story of your life and how these certain moments translate to these memories that translate to food that you're passionate about. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I, I, you know, the way that we wrote the cookbook is it's like 26 short stories in chronological order that, that talk about life and all of its good and badness. And, um, it, you know, it's from, for me, my story was really, Um, driven through food in many ways and food is how I always related to my religion my family my 
my social circles, the things that I want to spend time doing. And that's been that way since I was seven years old. So I wanted to write the, the stories in a way that talked about life, talked about um, drug addiction and, and death of family members mm-hmm. and um, issue, you know, problems with my mother and father and, um, and then also like really sad things like Hurricane Katrina, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like what that did to me and, and how food helped me get through that, you know, how red beans and rice was like one of these, like I was cooking red beans and rice after the storm for people and, and that changed the way that I thought about food and it, and it opened up a path for me that I, that I took that wasn't there before the storm. Um, but then also really happy things like, uh, there's a chapter called a day off for dates and it's when I stopped being a workaholic and I made time to take Emily out on a date and actually mm-hmm. invest in a relationship. Um, and then every recipe in that chapter has dates in the recipe in one oh, way nice. or another. Um, it's, a, it's stories about um, cooking with my grandmother and, and her um, teaching me her recipes and, and how that like inspired me to eventually start cooking Israeli food again. And so I, hmm. I, I think that when you read the book, you will um, you know, read it in chronological order because I think once you kind of get an understanding of what the story was, then the recipes kind of make more sense. And that's just the way I like to cook generally. I love the fact that um, there's a story behind what we're doing with each dish. And I get a lot of that here too, you know, talking with um, John and the farm and, and hearing the stories of res- resurrecting mm-hmm. certain beans and then um, you know, seeing the the amazing food that the culinary team here puts out using those ingredients and how that story continues to build, that to me is means something, and and that to me makes food taste better. And I, um, you know, I wanted the the home cook to kind of begin having that type of feeling from reading the stories and getting to know the stories before they cook the dishes. That's absolutely interesting and and true in my opinion do you think that's sort of the future of food and wine in in this country what what do you see as the evolution i i see personally you know a move away from super fine dining away from you know traditional what was french for a long time and yeah and and into cuisines and restaurants where there are stories there's sort of a a reason to be you know behind um, and I'm interested to know what you see. You travel all over the country and the world. Where, where are we heading in food and food and beverage in this country? I think that we are um, heading in, in the right direction generally. I think that people are more comfortable telling their stories. People are more comfortable getting behind um, the political side of food mm-hmm. and being vocal about it in a way that I think is healthy that we're talking about. Um, whether you agree with something or don't disagree, I think the conversation is healthy just to have. Um, and then at least some kind of change will happen from that. I think that the move back to whole grain and fresh milled, you know, wheat and corn is a big deal. And I hope to see like, um, you know, sugar take that step next where we have, um, 
sugars that are really good for you versus, you know, just this overly refined white granulated sugar everywhere. Um, I see more of a connection to the farm and to the seasonality with food and people, you know, as much as we make, we all make fun of like all the dietary restrictions that are out there Mm -hmm. in the world. I think at least it's making people think more about what they're eating. Um, and that is important. So, um, I see it going in the right direction and I hope that, uh, we, you know, can begin charging more for food so that people can take care of their team members more. And I hope that, you know, we can continue finding ways to, to feed people that are hungry. And there's so much technology and information that are hap- that, that's happening out right now in the world that people are taking plants that no one even knew about before and are feeding, you know, yeah. cities with them. Um, so I think that that's really special. Great. Well, Alon, thank you for taking time to talk with us. Thank you, Andy and Cassidy. I think it's a great way to, to conclude. Let's do it. Thank you for listening to the Blackberry Podcast. Continue following the journey wherever you subscribe. Thank you to our guests, interviewers, and audience. Dive into more stories, videos, photos, and podcast episodes on blackberryfarm.com and blackberrymountain.com. Make a great day.